Thanks for listening to the Subtext Podcast. We are a Leeds-based record label. We really hope you can get involved with our Patreon, which is only £3 a month, and will help support the label and the artists on it, and allow us to keep doing this podcast. But the best thing you can do is just tell other people. Tell other people about the music releasing, tell other people about the record label, and tell other people about the podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Just a quick content warning. This week's episode deals with themes of mental health, depression, and dark times. If you are feeling like you need help, please reach out to a loved one. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Subtext Podcast. I'm Ed. I'm Eli. I'm Seth. Hooray, and we're back together after a little hiatus. Um, thanks so much for listening. If you've heard our stuff before, we really appreciate it. If this is the first time, welcome. Welcome to the Subtext Podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoy our ramblings and talkings. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash subtext. And for just a mere £3 a month, which is the equivalent of buying us one cup of coffee between the three of us. <laughs> uh, even Well, that's not even by today's prices. It's like half a cup of coffee. But just that it will, will go a long way towards supporting us and helping us keep doing this stuff. Um, it's not emotional blackmail. We're going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, but it, it really does help. It means that we can, we can support our artists better and we can, uh, we can make this our job. Yeah, and we're so grateful for everybody that's supporting us in whatever way that you can. If you can't spare it right now, we completely understand that. And, you know, there's so many ways that you can support us. Just listening right now is incredible. Telling your friends... We're so grateful to have you guys here. So thank you. Uh, so we've, uh, like I say, we've we've had a little hiatus. So we did two episodes, and then and then Christmas arrived rudely. Uh, how is it going to go? You know, how was everyone's Christmas? You, you, well, Eli, you've been away. I had a pretty good Christmas. Yeah. I got to go back to Canada. I got to go back to my home country. Um, I spent Christmas in a literal cabin in the woods. Like um, not in a kind of like horror movie way, though. Like there wasn't like. Jason or any yeah unfortunately not it was very (laughs) (laughs) low-key but it is fun to watch a horror movie out there it's like it's so fun (laughs) if you're into that kind of you know self-torture with scaring yourself it's it's a great time um it's like acres of woods multiple ponds that you can kind of skate on and everything a fire pit and like wood burning oven a wood burning stove and just it was incredible like just to be surrounded by nature for that long and snow like oh yeah the so snow you had was an great. actual white christmas then we did and it was very little snow by canadian standards but compared to here yeah. it was uh, it was great i mean we need like a flurry and we're like full panic mode oh like, yeah you yeah. guys freak yeah, out oh my god we love it and at the same time hate it and i got to meet my little cousin for the first time uh, her name's ophelia she's like six months old and she's the cutest little thing i've ever held in my life and then after an hour you're like i'm so glad to give you back to your parents (laughs) (laughs) the joy of not being a parent (laughs) how about you mr mashwitz oh yeah it was um it was a probably lowest stress christmas i've had in a long time which means things things have been proved whatever strategies i've put in place to have emotional resilience have actually worked Mm, i can i'm happy to say um, and the, yeah, the, the, the sort of wider family dynamics, we have a big, a big extended family. There's lots and lots of people involved cause I'm, I am separated and my partner is also divorced. So we have effectively four big families oh my gosh. who all, all have to somehow, 
you know, coagulate in a pleasant way. And we've managed to achieve it this year, I would say. That's so really impressive. That, that's something in and of itself. Um, I did take on a little project with the kids because we want to we want to do a Christmas album, and we're uh, we're doing yes. so we're doing Bob the Gobbler. So it's, <laughs> it's a turkey singing. Uh, we did actually do one recording session, but we realized there was a technical challenge because you can't you can't do a turkey with headphones on because it involves shaking your head oh, okay. so vigorously, and you, the cheek you got to get the cheek more in. It's even, you can't yeah. even do it; the headphones just fall off. So we have to um, we have to work on that. But you realize now that you've spoken about that on this podcast when it's ready to be heard you will have to play yeah, I, it will be oh yeah. it's essential i mean yeah. i would i'd be begging to play it just because you know <laughs> free promotion and all that well i mean you know to, to give it a world exclusive would be an honor yeah but i will i will just say that the basic did i i didn't talk about this in a previous podcast oh, you might have done but it doesn't I, matter i don't know anyway so the idea is that bob the gobbler the turkey's a trained turkey but you can only hack about a minute after which he just completely loses his shit and 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 um, you know you just hear him kind of fluttering out the room and and the trainer's going Blueberries, Bob, blueberries, you know, stuff like that. So okay. that's uh, that's the plan. Well, we look forward to hearing Bob the Gobbler. <laughs> <laughs> I've been having so much fun downloading MIDI files and, and, uh, and yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> sound effects. Oh yeah, yeah, brilliant. And uh, how about you, Ed? How uh, was your Christmas? Yeah, very nice. I was I was here. I literally didn't move. I, I don't think I left the house for about five days, uh, which is delicious. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the um, we had uh, my wife's family up, uh, who were you know lovely people and just very easy to be about. So it was just like lots of, and you know, I, I don't know about you guys. So like television can be kind of a hit and miss on Christmas Day itself. This year it delivered. I mean, like Doctor Who Christmas Special and Ghost Christmas Special. Like they're like two great, like two brilliant. Uh, TV programs uh, on Christmas Day and post, you know, so we, me and Andrew cooked, um, cooked Christmas dinner as well. So we had that sort of lovely, full, feeling very pleased with ourselves and then watched some awesome TV, which our kids both love as well. So with with the rest of the family who also loved it. So it was like, just like one of those like really nice Christmases and then did a lot of, you know, watching kind of, you know, I always watch Flash Gordon in between Christmas and New Year. I don't awesome. know why. Because I mean, it's awesome. Because it's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. I mean, just brilliant. Um, uh, there's a great documentary on it. I don't know if you've seen it. No. It's really good. Uh, oh, it's uh, it's, I, on, I love it's on Amazon Prime. It's really good. Um, uh, it's about kind of, it follows the actor um, who originally, because they read up his voice. Uh, he got into, it, basically, he's his, agent kind of got kind of got in his ear and was like you should be asking for more money and blah, blah. so they basically he was going to loop in his voice to, to for some of the stuff because they need to re-record and they just went you know what? we're not going to bother with you and they got another actor into literally redub his entire lines oh my god which is why there's that weird slight detachment between him his, the way he says things and i never even noticed yeah it's great it's, uh, <laughs> yeah i mean it's brilliant so yeah highly recommend that um but yeah so very good um and in terms of like, cause so last time we were together, there was kind of, st- cause we were at that weird end of year point where everyone sort of like wrapping up and trying to get things done, wrapping up, um, <laughs> pun, um, uh, Seth literally rolled his eyes into that. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't even looking. I could yeah, feel like, the eye roll. roll. I didn't even know I was like, doing it. <laughs> I can't spend another hour with this dick. <laughs> uh, um, uh, Seth, you were... Um, give us a catch up on what you because so for those who didn't listen to uh, the last episode, please explain the what, the project you were doing and then give us an update, man. What's happening? 
Yeah, so um, in the last episode, we I talked about uh, so I'm applying for funding for a community project, which is to deliver a music production workshop uh, in my area because there's nothing like it around, and a lot of kids just don't have access to that kind of education. May never do. So um, I had a meeting with the counselors uh, that was due to happen a couple of days after the last podcast. So that did happen. And um, it was a resounding success. Um, so I, we don't officially have the funding yet, but the, the, the counselors basically just said, there were two labor counselors there. Um, they were like, well, it's, it's basically, it's going to happen. We'll, we're going to figure out a way to make it happen. That's so uh, exciting. It's just, there were a lot of different options. So they were, they were uh, kind of exploring that. And um, so I had to send them a, uh, a synopsis of the whole thing. And um, it's with them now. So we'll see. Well, uh, yeah, my fingers are very much crossed. But I was very impressed with these guys. I have to say, like, um, they're all labor counselors in my, in my area at the moment since the last election. So they've not been in that long. And I've never heard politicians at a local level so passionate about improving the community in a very meaningful way. And they really understood what the issues were. And like... I mean, I was genuinely, I was blown away. I was so impressed with these guys. So I, I came away feeling feeling actually pretty good. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> and, I mean, it's interesting with councillors because like in terms of the UK, UK politics, it's a bit, councils are kind of odd things, I suppose. Because I mean, I suppose they have the, in the States, you guys have got town councils and I don't know how it's set up in... in uh, Canada. Honestly, I, I should know more, but I left when I was eighteen, oh, so yeah, I know, you know more about. Yeah. <laughs> I know more yeah. about here. <laughs> so yeah, and in the fact you know we have councils, and the and so councillors actually wield quite a great deal of power, but um are and are elected, obviously, but I sort of fly under the radar of kind of MPs, and and you know while they are politically aligned, they, they tend to have much more local. There's, there's, you know, autonomy. Well, autonomy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They actually are in a position to make yeah. changes that that they feel strongly about, rather than always having to toe the line precisely. And I think it's, it's really, I think it's really hard as well, like with because because councils are undervalued and and massively underfunded. And part of the reason we we sort of complain a lot in this country about kind of like where things aren't, you know, things aren't happening. So like a lot of particularly local amenities, parks, you know, uh, waste pickup, you know, how, how an area is looking and, and being looked after. And we'll kind of look to the government, but actually it's largely because of the council and that's usually because the council's been, you know, chronically underfunded. And I think, I think we're looking at, you know, a majority of councils declaring bankrupt within this country uh, within the next sort of 12 months, I think, which is unbelievable. And yet, you know, they're sort of still... Those councils, there's, I mean, there's some councils that haven't, but like there are councils within the UK, and I know that Leeds is one of them, where they are attempting to ring fence money for creativity and the creative arts, which is incredible because the pressure to to free that money up and put it somewhere else must be massive. Yeah, and in, in, in this case, um, our area is a, is a weird one because it's traditionally viewed as quite a wealthy area, yeah. or, you know, reasonably affluent, let's say. So a lot of the funding that, that would be available um, for community projects in poorer areas is not, is not available there. But in fact, it isn't quite like that. It's very, very mixed. So there, there are actually a lot of kids who, who just aren't getting, getting appropriate resources, which is how, how it's ended up with this, this, you know, last round of violence that I mentioned in the last podcast. This kid got killed, mm -hmm. you know, 15-year-old mm -hmm. kid. Um, so yeah, that, that's really put up a red flag and, um, result, I think it will get funding that it desperately needs. It's, I don't know if you've seen the, uh, there's a, there's a TV program, Happy Valley, which is set in, which is amazing. I don't know if you guys saw it. Calderdale. Calderdale. And like, you know, like Calderdale, obviously for a lot of people, it's kind of like 
quite nice in Juju. You know, it's got like you know Home Firth, and it's you know it's like it's very pretty, and it is a lot of good, you know, beautiful places. Um, but you know, I think what you highlighted as well was the kind of like the fact that and you know these places, a lot of these outlying places, have you know really struggle with with people mass chronic underfunding and people have been massively underfunded education programs been massively underfunded you know and and also the spread of you know drugs and you know drug taking which you know comes from people not getting engaged and and feeling they have a path to go somewhere you know and, and you know and obviously that's just massively simplified you know what i'm talking about there is hugely simplified about you know very deep set you know uh, issues within communities but but, you know, even in, like, I'm from originally from Tadcaster and, you know, seeing a town like that, which is, you know, kind of very nice. But, you know, it's got three breweries. So, obviously, alcoholism is a massive problem because uh, we've got loads of pubs for a tiny town and that's all you can really do is drink. And those kids who kind of got beyond drink went on, went, you know, I knew a lot of people who got onto heroin and, mm. you know, and that happens a lot, you know, within the UK. And, you know, it's like programs like these that you're hoping are going to kind of sort of maybe halt some of that, that kind of, you know, that kind of progression to kind of, and nihilism and, and self-annihilation. It's, def- yeah. it's definitely bucking a trend. Mm. It can be a really dangerous combination, um, you know, kind of being understimulated, not having resources to pour yourself into and activities to do, things to be passionate about, you know, mixed with everything that we feel about the world right now. I think there's a generally sort of pessimistic feeling about the way that the world is working right now. Young people are they see that a hundred percent. So they've got that kind of existential dread paired with the, the lack of resources and direction and, and boredom sounds like too small a word, but it is, it is boredom under stimulation and that can be a really dangerous combo. Yeah. Nail on the head there. Yeah. 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 And I think that kind of dangerous thing as well, which, you know, I've, I've heard before, which was always, you know, back in my day, there was, you know, there wasn't anything to do and we, we managed to, you know, do all you know, and yeah, actually, you read books on, you know, cities. I I read a really great book on, on the Beatles and on the early years of the Beatles, and it's by Mark Lewis, and, and you know, it talks about kind of like Liverpool and how just wherever you went, particularly where you, there was violence. It, violence mm. was just a part of everyday life. The the reality of getting the shit kicked out of you was pretty high, you know, and that was bec- and part of that was obviously as you know s- some of the. The, the fact that there was, you know, obviously male toxic, and toxicity, which we, you know, again, is something really we've only just started talking about, you know, there's, and, and, and I think, you know, the, the more language we create around this stuff, the kind of, I feels like the more power we have to then sort of come f- to, to kind of fight it. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. The first thing you got to do is name them, right. name these things. This kind of bleeds into our topic for today, but there was a study done, I think it was at Stanford, um, where they actually showed, they did brain scans uh, of people that were feeling intense emotions and got them to name all the emotions they were feeling. And the intensity, like on the brain scan, you could actually see it fading. Right. And so naming them, naming your feelings quite literally does, naming anything quite literally does help tone down the impact a little bit, the the pain that you're feeling first first step towards articulating mm-hmm. i mean i think you know and actually on coming on to that i think like you know so we but all three of us have have you know suffered with kind of mental health issues you know and, the, and that's kind of like i think about you know there's an understanding between the three of us part of the reason why we work well together is 
as a three is because we all three of us sometimes at different at different times go through stuff mm. and we all kind of go okay step back you know and you know just give everyone a breather and we understand and uh but i don't know about you guys but prior to kind of naming it that's when it was most terrifying right yeah definitely yeah yeah, yeah. that's when you have you, it has all the power the big scary invisible thing the weighted blanket that feels like you can't shake it off it has all the power over you and i think you can also very easily then um sort of warp your own perception of it and fall into the trap of almost self-gaslighting other people have it so much worse than me you know people are going to think i'm ridiculous if i talk about this like you you fall into a spiral so it's a really dangerous thing to keep bottled up yeah it's something that that pairs with neurodivergence and all of the yeah. all of the the new understanding that we're in the in the process of reaching um so you know of course there's a lot of language and, and understanding to educated about on that and uh we're, we're um yeah being autistic and again like i'm not diagnosed but there's such such a wide wide range that of, uh, of how it you know i don't want to say symptoms but how it presents itself that when you you know if if i especially because i'm not diagnosed i do recognize a lot of autistic traits and also adhd traits in myself but there are people for whom it's a, it's a much more extreme experience it's it's much harder to function and that you know that that discrepancy makes it difficult to just say to feel ever feel comfortable saying i am this thing i'm that thing yeah even though we have the language it's not we're still at such an early stage of of understanding it which i think and i think people who haven't been through kind of any mental health i think i think everyone does and i think it's about actually how you're recognizing that and what you're doing i think most people i know will be ha, have gone through even the most confident people um and kind of seemingly okay people have been through stuff because uh, or, or have certainly been very close to it um because it's just degrees right um and and i think the reason why people who have talk about it all the time is because we talk about it to kind of sort of so it's not this sort of internalized monster yeah so there is there is a process of reframing that you go through when you first realize there well even if you don't have a diagnosis because i went through the diagnostic process with both my kids for for autism and adhd having gone through that process i i was realizing over the period of a couple of years like oh definitely <laughs> i've i've got this shit going on too absolutely sure and i had people around me telling me that and um when you first kind of come to terms with it it's like I did a lot of masking throughout my entire life, you know, just to be able to cope with with a lot of these situations. And it gets harder as you get older. You have less energy. You have less um, resilience, like physical resilience. So that you know, all of the sensory stuff only increases with time. But now I can say to people, I I have this degree of neurodivergence. I have oversensitivities and this, this, and this. And that's why you might you might notice me kind of you know act a little bit differently. It's it's very easy to explain that, and I don't feel like I have to mask so much anymore, which is usually liberating. Yeah, I, I think that because um, I was diagnosed with ADHD um, in late 2023, and I do think that uh, you know when you come back from a vacation or something and you get really sick because your body like didn't want to be sick on the vacation or you come out of a stressful time, your body wouldn't let you get sick and then you get like the worst cold right after. I feel like that's what happened with me and burnout um, after getting my diagnosis because it was like I'd realized that 
it was like somebody had um somebody had acknowledged how much effort it had taken me every day to try to blend in and succeed in the same way as neurotypicals and someone had finally acknowledged that and gone that must have been exhausting because you your brain does not work the same way as theirs and it was like as soon as they said that it was like 25 years of masking exhaustion just crashed down on me um it's incredibly emotional it's very emotional yeah i feel relief for current me and grief for little me yep yeah that's that's the process i've been through too yeah because she was trying her best yeah i mean i think you know for me like and i I think it's that kind of with with my mental health it was about um that kind of because i'm a genuinely half glasses half full person Mm -hmm. like that's not that isn't a a masking kind of a form of masking that is a genuine outlook on life i have a positive outlook on life i believe in kind of positive thinking i believe in in sort of like you know yeah i just i just and i believe fundamentally most people are good um and uh which means you know i get disappointed quite a lot um, <laughs> but and and i think there was an arrogance there in that because i was positive and because i'm generally quite a happy person um but I also think with that comes a pressure of being that person all the time. There's yeah. an expectation that that's who you should be all the time because, you know, I want to be consistent and I want to be, you know, I want, I want people to kind of know that because I've been around inconsistent, emotionally inconsistent people and that can be very difficult and it can be really, you know, really hard. Um, so I think I'm, I overcompensated for that and I think I, and then so when I got ill, I think it was like that, oh, this can happen to me just because I'm, ha- just because I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. Uh, or seemingly, th- that doesn't mean I'm I'm in any way immune to kind of the realities of mental health. And in fact, I'm probably a little bit more susceptible in a lot of ways. That yeah. must have been a bit of a shock. Yeah, to yeah, the system that yeah. that could even happen to like that you could even be affected by that yeah, to that level. I, it absolutely was. Yeah, um, and that kind of like just not being able to get out of it, like you know, and been you know, been at the point where I was like just couldn't even get dressed. You know, just getting. I remember trying to put my jeans on and it just been because I was exhausted because when you have a, a high level anxiety you, your muscles you're in fight or flight so your muscles are just tense all the time so you're exhausted all the time as well because you're you're literally physically like tense uh, and then you know if you hold, hold your muscles tense for a long time that's very tiring you know if anyone's carried like bags of shopping for example it's like that uh, and it's really difficult to explain so it is exhausting um, and you know and I, and I had a bout of it in June and you know like and now though I can recognise it and you can kind of go okay I know what's happening here and like say that naming it um, is really interesting I want to know like how does it affect your creativity um, so for me uh, actually one of the ways that I identify that I'm having a hard time is uh, something that you said to me, Ed, when you had shared that when you were in a low place, you stopped listening to music and you stopped singing. Um, and that was the first bit for me was identifying, oh my gosh, I have absolutely no, no want to do anything creative. Realizing that want was gone was a huge red flag for me. Um so it it pretty much kills my creativity, but doubles my anxiety around producing creative things. Uh, you know, I'm I'm so eager to overcompensate and not let anybody know that I'm struggling because I think I still internalize the feeling that 
it's not as real as other people's struggles and I don't deserve to take that space. Um, it's not as valid as other people and what they're going through. So I tend to double down pressure on myself um, and try try to say yes to every single opportunity, get dopamine through every opportunity that I possibly can. And then I end up fucking most of them up. <laughs> Either by not producing the quality of work that I think I usually could have um, or by becoming avoidant, getting so overwhelmed and anxious that I just become completely avoidant to the person that I said that I do something for, um, which is not <laughs> the right way to handle it. But that's the that's the danger of internalizing those kinds of messages that you don't deserve to talk about it or voice it and that it's not real. You know, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Your your hard times are real. Your storms are real. And just try to share them with people that are safe for you. And sit with them yourself. Yeah. And just be really honest with yourself and say, I am feeling this right now. Yeah. And that is okay. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Seth? How, what, what? For me, so it's it's very much about stress because stress is like, is when you don't feel like you have the capacity to do all the shit that you need to do. And the point I kept reaching over and over again was this this point of stress, the sense of I do not have the capacity to do all the things that other people are asking of and that I'm asking of myself. It's too much. And that's what's led to burnout in the past. So there's many things that have to happen to stop that, to keep that in check. And um, yeah, I mean, that's the good bit of this episode is those strategies mm. um, that I've been able to put in place for myself have worked. I can safely say they've worked and I'll, I can certainly talk about some of those strategies. Yeah, I mean, you're in interested to know what are those strategies? Well, firstly, you have, to, you have to take some of the pressure off yourself. What can you jettison? What is, what is actually causing you the stress in the first place? And in my case, um, a couple of, this was about two years ago, I was still in a career that I was probably in for a couple of years longer than I should have been. I, really, I didn't really want to be doing that full time. I'd already kind of reduced down to f four days a week. And it, I came to a point where I just didn't understand what was even happening in meetings anymore. I literally just couldn't understand what people are saying. <laughs> so I'm like, I am not really the right person for this job anymore. So I'd been putting that off for a long time because I have kids. I have, you know, I have to support a family. And it provided that, that little bit of financial security and safety. And I, I put way too much stock and value in that because it, even though it was like, one of the more secure kinds of jobs that you can have is working for a charity and they were very supportive. It's still an illusion of security. It's, you know, in this, in this day and age, nothing really is that secure and, and nothing really gives you that much safety. And I was putting a lot of stock in that versus actually this just makes me really fucking unhappy and I need to stop doing it. I, I'd gotten to a point where I really could not cope. So I finally decided to get myself signed off and um, I took a good month and I was like, right, I need to get every single intervention in place that I possibly can. What am I dealing with here? So I did trauma release exercises. Um, I did neuro-linguistic programming. I, I looked at sleep and sleep was a big one. So, I mean, th th this was a process of like, so I have done in the past a lot of therapy and did psychodynamic therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. So I already had kind of some of the language uh, to have an emotional awareness but there was still a ton of things that I was not really properly addressing. But so having got myself signed off, I, I was fortunately I was able to to take um, a year off, basically a year off work. And I wasn't sure if I was going to come back. But 
in the end, I didn't because it wasn't right. But in that time, I have managed to get a lot of strategies in place and they're, they're working. They're working. The sleep especially, that was a huge one. Anxiety, just being a late owl, night owl, that's my phenotype. Not everybody likes waking up early in the morning. Yeah. And we saw a big change in you, actually, Ed and I. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Like tangible change when you had changed your sleep routine. Do you want to tell us about what that routine is that kind of helped you? A lot of the sleep advice looks at what happens at night, but it's also very much about what happens in the morning and what happens throughout the course of the day. Sleep architecture is very complicated. So... I still, I still do have a little bit of a late night snacking issue, which I'm, I'm uh, you know, slowly working on. Same, guilty. Um, but what I can do, and what I now do religiously, is when I wake up in the morning, there's, there's a few key things that you've got to take care of. Um, one is to, if you're, if you're a caffeine drinker, delay drinking caffeine for at least an hour and a half because you, you need to give your brain, the, it's an opportunity to wake up on its own. Natural, the natural. Thing. So what you do for that is you first raise your core body temperature. I do the exercise bit. You can also go in cold water. Um, those Either one of those two things will raise your core body temperature. Yeah, no, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> but but if, you do that, if you do that exercise, it makes you feel really good. It releases endorphins and, and it wakes you up. So you're, it sets you up for the day. And I also hydrate with... Um, it's electrolytes basically nat- naturally occurring so a whole lemon juiced in, in filtered water with uh, Himalayan salt mixed in water and you just keep keep that in a little jar on the side and you just a little teaspoon of that along with your lemon water and, and that puts all the all the nice good electrolytes back in I make sure I go for a walk at least just even a short one just get the fuck out of the house and just have fresh air you need sunlight in your eyes and if you get that sunlight after you wake up, it help, all of those things help start your brain's natural processes of waking up and, and start to feel good, start to produce all the, all the natural shit. And we've lost touch with a lot of this stuff um, because most of us pretty wake up, especially in the winter. Now it's very, very dark. You don't get that light. And yeah, you have to kind of compensate for that to some extent. And another thing about the winter that people don't do is that like our, our natural tendency in, in the past what we're evolved to do in the winter is to slow down it's to it's to actually eat and do less just like mammals do you know i yeah i mean i genuinely i sort of say this to people and they kind of go ah, ah, ah. and i was like i think we should hibernate yeah. <laughs> like, and I, we're clearly we're clearly set up to hibernate we're clearly set up to not really go anywhere or do very much you know i can feel it in my own mm. body you know in the summer i want to be out and i want to be around i want to be doing things i'm much more proactive in the summer and then the winter i'm just like you know I, my my productivity window is just so much smaller than than usual yeah and we actually haven't heard from you yet ed about like how um mental health impacts you with your creativity could we hear a little bit about that yeah uh so the, there's the kind of famous there's a is it the five points of creativity is it so which is like this is great i'm great this is tricky this is shit. I'm shit. I'm yeah. shit. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and like, and pretty much I just jumped to 0.5, which is I'm shit. Um, uh, and yeah, I just have, I just lose all sense of kind of like creative objectivity. So like, you know, I, I know when I'm doing something pretty good. I know when I'm doing something okay. You know, like I know my, my own abilities and that's obviously relative to other people, you know, where when my mental health is bad, I, 
um, I really can't, like, I have no objectivity on that. Um, I can't really write and I can't really consume music um, uh, at all. Um, I feel really just a sense to you. We were saying this, like, I just feel yeah. numb. Like, I feel just, like, it's hard to, you know, it's not that I, I'm feeling sad. I just don't feel yeah. anything, you know, like when it's really bad. Well, I just feel anxious. I'm just worried and anxious. But but that does not me putting me in a place of in any way absorbing anything, which is really tough. Um, which is why I find this whole notion around music, and it it's one of my it's a bugbear that I've had f- since I was a kid, and I think part of it is about my personality again, sort of back to my personality that it's, I'm I've always been. People think I'm quite naive because I'm quite upbeat and happy. And therefore, there's a kind of like, well, I doesn't really understand. He doesn't see the kind of darkness in life. It's like, no, I fucking see what the darkness in life, you know. But I just choose not to wear it. I just yeah. that's just my. And there's a great line in Everything Everywhere All, oh, all at Once, best where, movie. where the, the best movie, where the where the where the husband is talking about it because because I know what people think I'm stupid. And he said, and the, I'm I'm happy, and I'm and that happiness just means I'm stupid. But it's my way of fighting. Mm. It's my way of and. I, when someone finally articulated that, it's like, yeah, it's my way of fighting. But there's a romance in darkness. We've romanticized, romanticized darkness. So like this idea that these great songwriters wrote in states of depression and, you know, so like, you know, characters like Nick Drake and, you know, Amy Whitehouse and, you know, these people we, we lost at such young ages, you know, absolute tragic deaths. Yeah. Um, and we romanticize and we think, we kind of think it's cool. Like I remember the press desperately wanting Pete Doherty to die from Libertines. They they were they were they were salivating him for him to they wanted him dead. They want like the music press wanted him dead because they wanted another Kirk Bain of this generation. They they could not wait. And the reality and the truth is is that that depression and I, I don't know, most people, yeah, you can reflect on sadness, but you can't write while you're sad. That's I don't know. Me I, too. That might just I, be me. And it also made me feel sort of um, doubly inadequate that I was because uh, I had that thought of like I thought pain was supposed to draw like the deepest best artwork that you could possibly produce and you know maybe it does for some people maybe, maybe, but the idea yeah. that it, this blanket idea that is created and romanticized by the media that you know tortured artists are somehow more um, valid and more substantial than happy-go-lucky pop artists or something like that makes you feel then when you're in that dark place already and then you can't do that work makes you feel doubly inadequate and you're like, I can't wash the dishes. I can't write a song. What can I do? <laughs> Why am I here? Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, a, there's a lot to unpick in there. Um, pain is inevitable. We all experience pain. We And... I needed somebody to tell me at a certain point that that it, it's you just have to accept that it's going to come, and that's okay. I spent a lot of my time trying trying to avoid pain and trying to run from it, and that that led to a lot of anxiety and a constant state of anxiety, like what the fuck is going to happen, and just sort of try to shield myself from those realities. When I finally just said, you know what, 
painful shit has happened to me all my life here and there and 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 it's gonna happen some more so fuck it i'm just gonna embrace that and and let it happen and when it does i'll be i'll be i'll, I'll sit with it and i'm not going to expect myself to write a fucking album yeah we know right after right after in the in the midst of that you just don't um you need to process that and take time away but of course pain is going to contribute to to creativity it Later in a reflective on, you know? way. <laughs> that's re- in, yeah, is it from a reflective point rather? I than mean, a- for me, it yeah. is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Indeed, but in the, in those moments, like I, I can't make shit. No, I can't do do anything. You know, and yeah, trying trying to expect yourself to keep to keep going, doing doing creative. You shouldn't be um, forcing yourself to do it. Mm. Getting doing really good creative work is about getting into a, a state of flow, and you. For me personally, I cannot get into that flow state if I have all this other shit that that my brain and my body are saying. You do not dealing with this shit right oh, now. Yeah. Come on. And we talked about because we talked about rest, and we've talked about rest quite a lot on this podcast. And you know, we talked about. So I've had an extended period of rest. You know, I've written three three tracks. Uh, which I've now passed over to Eli to do some co-writing with. Um, and, you know, but I wrote those in three days. Where are my tracks, Ed? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Uh, I've got one for you. It's fuck off. Uh, <laughs> and this is the supportive environment yeah, that we were talking we're really about. talking about. Um, <laughs> I wrote one called Suck My Balls. <laughs> uh, but, and, and I know, Seth, you've, you've written quite a lot as well since you've had a, like a little bit of downtime. You said you've been just on it a bit. I I know that you're like not the most prolific person. No, I take a long time to do shit, but it has been speeding up. You really do. uh, Yeah, I do. I do. But it's been speeding up massively. I finally got my, you know, my studio environment at home. I actually trust it. I'm I'm hearing what I'm actually, what's actually there. So yeah, the, the turnaround for this last track was like a month. Which for me is insanely fast, and like Eli, likewise, you know, because I was saying about passing those songs over to you, and then last night you literally, while I was watching Traitors, which is amazing, um, you you texted me that you the co-written bit, yeah, yeah, which is the best bit to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was the weirdest thing. I have not been able to write a song in maybe four months. Whoa. Um, Because that was like the level of extreme burnout that I was going through. And the disconnect was so strong that I was actually like, was that just a like a hyper fixation that lasted a really long time and now it's gone? (laughs) But it, it wasn't. As soon as I'd had that rest period and came back to the work and it helps that your tracks were freaking beautiful. Um (laughs) <laughs> if well, you can't you if you can't hear that that's me blowing smoke up Ed's ass yeah yeah Good. <laughs> suck my balls Ed <laughs> <laughs> but I I think one of them took me an hour and a half and the other one took me half an hour because it was like suddenly all the words were right there oh my god I couldn't do anything in half an hour it's <laughs> 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 not even an increment of time <laughs> it's all or nothing for me I'm like I can't write at all or it will be done today <laughs> like, amazing well, having it's, it, uh, like that's quite interesting because, and you say that, but I've because I've had the pleasure of working with both of you on an individual level, and like, and so me and Seth are working on a project which we will at some point unveil to the world, and um, with with it, and uh, and actually that's not true because I've worked with you and we've we've kind of got on stuff and it's been really like exciting because, like, I think you 
where I'm because I'm I work really fast, but and but you and you kind of really kind of go over stuff. And I think actually where we found ourselves was in a really beautiful middle point where it was like I was sort of pushing forward, but you were also like, make sure we don't fuck this up though. <laughs> so, you know, there was that kind of really lovely play between both of those working practices, which I is dead good. Hard agree. It's fucking great. And, and yeah, I mean, like I can do stuff in half an hour, but if you tell me I have to do that oh, in yeah. half an hour, yeah, okay. it's not happening. Then it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Food I can do in half an hour. Food, oh, food fucking, I've got. Food, oh, yeah. Food I can do in 10 fucking minutes, like from scratch, if I'm hungry. I mean, you know, out of that, I'll just run to the shops. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bit of like a weird, um, well, not a weird pivot, but just a pivot that popped up in my brain yeah. um, about coping mechanisms. Yeah. Something that I reflected on a lot during this downtime was what I call like the other half of conversations where we are always told to talk to someone, right? And I completely stand behind that. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know if you guys, I'm, I'm sure everyone's had this experience where when you do talk to someone and you maybe talk to the wrong person and you're in such a vulnerable state or, or they were the right person, but they respond in the way that is the least helpful because also they don't necessarily know what you need in that moment. Um, and it, like cascades and make makes everything worse in that moment it makes you shut down harder yeah so i call this the other half of conversations where i identify a safe person and by a safe person i mean somebody that will listen when i approach them and say i want to talk to you about something serious and i identify exactly what i want from them and what would be helpful to me in that moment and i say if you want to if you have other opinions, I'd be happy to hear them at another time when I'm more regulated. But right now, I need to talk to you about this, and this is what I need from you. Um, and if you can find yourself somebody that, first of all, do the work and identify what you would need. Do you need a hug? Do you need physical touch? Do you need someone to just tell you that it's valid what you're going through? Or maybe you're the you're the tough love coach kind. Maybe you need somebody that is going to be like, Come on, get up, let's go. Whatever you need, think about it and identify it and approach them and very clearly state what that is. And that's the safe person for me. That's yeah. very, very good that's advice. Really, yeah, that's excellent yeah. advice. Yeah, I think, yeah. And God, cling on to those people, man. Oh my God, yeah. They are, they are literal life rafts. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up a slight distinction here between um, coping mechanisms yeah, which is it's quite specific. What we're talking about is it. It's that's actually got more of a negative connotation to it because it, it's more like desperate measures. Oh, that's a good yeah. point. But, but yeah. these, coping these mechanisms are, can be negative. These yeah. these are basically I don't know on the umbrella of mental health strategies or strategies for better mental health. Yeah, mm. it's more these are strategies, not not so much. Some of them might be coping mechanisms, but. This is like to get to the point where you're actually you're actually thriving rather than coping. Yeah, well, I, I suppose coping is a reactive where uh, strategy is kind of uh, is is proactive, right? So you know, you sometimes you need to cope in a moment, so you need to yeah. just you'll put those things in place that you need, and you'll do that probably kind of quite instinctively. Um, and you know, which is where a flight of fight or flight came from. You know, that is literally like. You know, you either fight what's in front of you or you run the fuck away like a bear, um, which is, you know, that's where it's, and, you know, we are, you know, we talk about kind of like 
the effect things have on us. But we are still, we're like carrying shit around with us when we were like, before we could talk. Yeah. Uh, There are things in our body and, you know, and the way someone, you know, someone told, you know, made a really good point. The reason why we hold on to negatives. Was it one of you guys? Oh, it might have been. The reason why we hang on to negative stuff rather than positive stuff is because we remember the negative because we need to remember the negative because. Oh, it's a survival survival tactic. tactic. Yeah. 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 So it's like, well, uh, make sure that doesn't happen again because mm-hmm. I could, like, you know, get eaten by a lion. Because yeah, for some a, reason we were surrounded by wild animals all the time when, it, in it, the olden days. It mm-hmm. is a tricky one because we're still adapted for the world as it was 50,000 years ago. Because that's yeah. how long it takes for evolutionary adaptations yeah. to take over. I bet it was shit then though, right? Yeah. No, no, like, fucking boring, man. Like, oh, look, there's another tree. Great. You know, <laughs> and like, it's not like with us, you know, we live in cities, like trees novelty, you know. <laughs> You're like, oh, look, there's a fucking woolly mammoth. Oh, good. Well, you know, I either kill it or run away from it. I What's, got more, more body telling me. I got to pivot as well and go, go back to the, to the strategies. Another, another big one. Is, what happens when three is, neurodivergents sit in a room? <laughs> <laughs> is there, no, Sorry, oh, continue. we are the punchline. Yeah, yeah. That's that's us, that's that's it. It. This is the punchline. They start, Sorry. They start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue with your pivot. It's recognizing triggers ahead of time. Yeah. Well ahead of time. Because we you know, if you carry around a lot of anxiety and you know you know you have a lot of triggers, well, you gotta put the strategies in place to know that they're because a lot of them can build up over a long period of time. I mean, even months sometimes. You know, one thing can kind of be a, be a trigger point and cascade a whole other series. So as I've gotten older, and again, it's like been more honest with myself, I'm able to recognize those triggers. And, and so now, and I can help help other people around me with that too. I see them kind of, we get into these patterns, we get patterns of behavior and even like cyclical throughout the year. So you can recognize like, okay, I know Christmas is a good example. Everybody gets some kind of emotional stuff at Christmas. So you recognize that it's coming. You you take that week before Christmas or or both before and during, and you say, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna take off all the shit that I all the pressure I possibly can. I'm not gonna book stuff in. I'm gonna, mm. you know, that's another way of like preparing ahead of time for that. And it, man, that stuff really helps. Yeah, giving your time yourself time to decompress proactively rather yeah. than in a reactive way. I think that's a really good i that's a really good idea. And we do feel a lot of pressure too no one's working. I'm going to book in time with all of my friends this whole week. And then you are just, there is no rest there. Yep. You don't owe anyone your time when you're that exhausted, when you're that burnt out, you owe yourself time. It's often about building in rest. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I need rest built into, into every day. We just keep coming back to this, don't we? We just keep coming back to rest. I think this is the third time we've mentioned it (laughs) on our three different podcasts. We just keep coming back to this idea of rest and, and restfulness and just like, you know, taking that time and stuff like that, which is, you know, uh, yeah. I got another strategy for, for rest because rest itself is difficult for a lot of people, especially, especially creative people who feel under constant pressure and neurodivergent creative people who can't ever fucking stop. Um, so how do you know, how do you get yourself to rest? For me, a lot of it is about doing mindful activities, things, Mm -hmm. because when you are engaged in the present, you can't ruminate about the past and the future. Yeah. Tactile things. So I've, I've found a lot of the things that work for me, um, because I'm a nerd, I, I, I do some certain amount of gaming and I want to get away from the screens. This is the nerdiest thing anyone could possibly do. 
it's like a it's a card game which is more like a board game and it's got lots of different scenarios it's a middle earth card game it's been out of print for 25 years but i have it and and like man i just i get so much joy out of just sitting there playing with my little my little cards and you know just the world melts away and i'm just immersed in these little pictures and these little tasks and oh it's just lovely it's it because so when i uh, when i did cbt many moons ago my uh, my uh, counselor said to me you know do you, what do you do to relax and i kind of embarrassingly said i really like there's a game called football manager that i really like and i was really embarrassed by it because <laughs> you know that's like a real geek thing to do and she said that's great and i was like really because you know I think it's pretty sad. And she was like, you know, isn't it not just wasting time? She was like, doing stuff that makes you happy but has no consequence on anything mm. is yep. great. You know, um, I, it's interesting because you're saying about I'm, Marvel Snap is the thing that I'm really into at the moment. Oh, nice. Oh, God, I love Marvel Snap. It's amazing. <laughs> Highly recommend it. Um, and uh, and it's like, it's just stuff. And it is, you know, in this, oh, it just gives you dopamine and therefore it's just, it's, but it's not because what you're doing is, you're engaged in something that's giving you pleasure, but actually whether or not you succeed or fail, because I think that's the one of the big things you have anxiety about. I don't know about you. It's like oh, that yeah. thing of like, you know, having to succeed, you know, be with, it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just no, that's why walk, going for walks are really important because yep. it, you, you're just doing that thing at that point with no, there's no end game to it. There's no like, oh, the, if I do this, I will get this thing. Yes. And it means this, 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 and this. And it's so anti, like, it's so anti-capitalism and it's so anti-everything that we've been brought up with, you know, to constantly push. You always have to be producing something. If you have a side hobby, it's a side hustle now or it doesn't count, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so like my my thing that has no consequences is I'll do yoga, but only the poses I like. So it's like <laughs> child's Strong. pose into a different child's pose. <laughs> but I'm like, you Namaste. know, as soon as I let go of, I have to do this to build core strength and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I'm just going to do the moves that make me feel nice. Yeah. And it's yeah. 10 minutes of my day. And, you know, it doesn't have to produce anything. I'm not trying to get a six pack from this. Clearly, it, it makes me feel like good to do that and treat my body to things that make it feel nice and relaxed. And that is... That is the purpose. Yeah, I know. And well, also because it's interesting because it's on the side of of uh, the kind of proactive capitalists of which we've obviously talked about in the in the other podcast is that there's the whole kind of like happy uh, mind, the happy stuff, which mm -hmm. is uh, equally as deadly and mm -hmm. all still linked to, and that happiness being like you know like so uh, the great there's a really great saying which is happiness isn't a destination; it's a town you pass through. Um, and Love that. You know, and which is absolutely true, you know. And, but but these kind of things, these sort of like, are set up to be like happiness is absolutely a destination, and to you, mm. so you do these things, and they will make you happy, and you achieve uh, it. It's a state you it's achieve. A sta achieve, yeah, 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 exactly. And you and you want to be there all the time. It's like, but you know, you can't just be happy. You just can't. It's just ridiculous. Like. You know, you've got to be in bad moods. You've got to feel sadness. You've got to feel all those. You need it all, right? We need, yep. which is, you know, which is why we're depression is weird because that's it. Uh, it sneaks up on you, doesn't and it? You, and you're like, I don't really feel anything. Yeah, you're like, happiness, uh, sadness? No, nope, mm, none of them. Nah. No, no. <laughs> it's when chocolate starts making me happy. That's uh, oh yeah, really that's fucked. a that's a like yeah, <laughs> that's uh, a sign. Well, you know, that's never going to stop. I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, God, I love chocolate. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 
Have you guys got any left, by the way, ever since Christmas? Have you, Chocolate? Have, yeah. Oh, I just keep a steady stream of it coming, you know. Just <laughs> not too much, but not too little either. I <laughs> brought a bunch of chocolate back as presents for my friends and have eaten all of it. <laughs> <laughs> At least I you can admit that. them listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've greatly hated my sister because she bought us, uh, and you know, my sister's one, generally one of the best people in the world, but I hate her because she gave us um, one of those like uh, hotel chocolate wreaths, you know, the massive oh ones. Oh my God. I know, right? And I was like, fucking, that's great. She did, what, who did she put it to? She put it to, to the whole fucking family. Like, not to Andrea and, and Ed. <laughs> Ed to, doesn't share food. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> when are you going to learn, man? Because that's like... So you uh, were you like, oh, okay, so there's eight of us, and then they have to... Which is my portion now. Yeah. yeah. That's, okay, I get this. Yeah. And the kids are just like, well, we have rights to this now. I'm like, oh, f- fuck you, you have rights. <laughs> I, what, what, you haven't got enough chocolate. Go, go and eat your curly whirly, for God's sake. <laughs> and be pleased with it. <laughs> uh, so uh, we are coming to that point in the uh, in, into the podcast where we uh, we offer our recommendations to the world. So like in it, and we you know we sort of sat there and went because everyone went oh well, you know what should it be? We've decided that recommendation can be literally anything. By the way, so it's not just like books, television, film. It's like you know if you've got some nice pair of socks because we've talked about strong sock game. Mm. So we should all start that. Game. Yeah, that's been discussed in episode one. Mm-hmm. So make sure you go check out. It's, it's riveting. Uh, Eli, what's your recommendation? Uh, I am going to recommend the Sensual podcast. So it's spelled as Sensu and then space E-L-L-E. Um, and they have, it's basically about sort of reconnecting with like uh, your sexuality as a tool for self-love, um, which for me, it's another thing that... Uh, it sort of is a consequence of going through a, a bad mental health time is that, you know, when I go through bad mental health uh, time periods and I stop taking care of myself, I stop feeling pretty. And then I stop feeling like I stop feeling sexy. And, you know, it's not a, a dirty thing to feel connected with your body. And I love and and if you're not feeling connected to that and you usually do, that's just a disconnect. And so I loved this because it's approached through self-love. So like healing through self-seduction, sensual fat liberation, which is one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Um, so they've got a, a broad spectrum of these really sex positive guests that come on and they're experts and they talk to you. And it just felt really comforting to, you know, hear, especially if you're a little embarrassed to talk about it with other people. You can sit in your bedroom and just have a little listen in your safe place. Sensual. Nice. Sensual. Excellent. Is that on kind of all podcast platforms? Yes. Yeah. As far as I know, it's on Apple Music, Spotify, all the big ones. Great. Uh, I might go next. Because, you know, to break up the yeah. who goes next thing. <laughs> you always co- go last. I always go and I feel like, oh, it's just, we're just leading up to my bit. Um, <laughs> go on then. <laughs> um, uh, I recommend, this is a bit of an obvious recommendation, but I don't give a shit because um, it was amazing. I'm recommending Saltburn which is on uh, Amazon Prime right now. I think it's been released generally on cinemas. Holy shit. Like, just one of the most original pieces of filmmaking I've seen in ages. I'm watching Uh, it tonight. I've heard crazy things. Oh, my God, it's so good. Uh, I can't really say too much um, uh, because there's just... But it's... it's, I mean, the closest thing to it is probably um, Talented Mr. Ripley. So, you know, the kind of... um, Mm. The sort of fetishization of the kind of... the, the, The... kind of money and and the kind of aristocracy and uh, you know all that stuff um 
but set now because I, th- I think what's you know what's great about about talent with mr ripley is it's beautiful and it looks great but it's set in the 19 1950s so it's sort of you know you can kind of go oh you know it's sort of like it feels attached where this is now and there is so many what the actual fuck moments like do not watch it with anyone who you're embarrassed to watch stuff with because there is literally some like <laughs> <laughs> I want like, that sound to be my ringtone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, the, yeah, we'll they, never work ring. They do one, and you're like, oh my god, that was awful. I can't believe it. And they do another, and then they do another, and the last one, which involves a grave, is incredible and just shocking. Um, but yeah, and it, I think it's also got like, a feel of like Jordan Peele's Get Out. Mm, um, love that, which movie. is an incredible movie. Uh, it, uh, you know, so it deals with class. It deals with kind of status. It deals with um, fetishization of kind of of status and wealth. And uh, yeah, Saltburn, which is available on Amazon Prime. Seth. Okay, I'm 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 going to do something a little bit wanky, and I'm going to recommend, apropos of our discussion around mental health, I'm going to recommend for people who find find that like when you watch stressful, tense, dramatic things, that you end up feeling stress and tense. Yeah, that maybe it's better not to do that. <laughs> and I have I'm guilty of this yeah. as well. I, I love horror, but. I get very little time to wind down and it's always after the kids are in bed late at night. It's like my, my two, two hours of wind down time if I'm lucky. And if I put something stressful, tense and dramatic in that period, I just, I end up staying up way too late. Yeah. I'm not, I'm completely wound up and I've realized it's very simple. I just watch, if I'm going to watch something, watch something soothing, yeah. you know, watch something just mind, not, not necessarily mind numbing, but you know, just it's yeah. gonna bring you down a notch. Yeah, I uh, I the first time I ever got depression, <laughs> I was <laughs> we were watching The Wire, <laughs> and, and we got to a point in like series two, and I was really like this first time I'd ever like got really unwell with it, and I looked under his went, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> 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 so you can relate to what I'm I saying. Absolutely <laughs> can relate. Yeah. yeah, and I think we just went back to like you know the West Wing or something, kind of which you know ah. it was nice and like oh look everyone's been nice to each other. Um. Yeah, I had the same thing with Criminal Minds. I was like, I love you. I love every single one of you on this show, but I, I, I have to break up with you for a bit. I can't do it. <laughs> it just happened to me with Mr. Mercedes. Yeah, I was watching. I don't know if you've heard of that one. It's no. it's good, but like I was, I was just like. I am too fucking wound up right now. Yeah. I don't. This is yeah. not doing me any good. Yeah. Don't. Goodbye. <laughs> I mean, the kids are watching. Like they, they'll kind of watch. Uh, Alba in particular will watch stuff just like repeatedly. And so Brooklyn Nine Nine is a constant in our house. Mm. And so when we never need to kind of like, oh, we talked about Brooklyn Nine Nine, obviously in the last one. But like whenever Alba needs a bit of comfort, that's that's what gets us. Or Ghosts, which is incredible, and the Christmas special. If you didn't see it, was just sensational. And I can't recommend it enough. It's good to identify your comfort shows. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe you should maybe that's one of the things we should do, like a comfort show special. Yeah, we could have a special, um, uh, special recommendations. Yeah, for comfort shows. That's quite nice. Well, let us know what you're recommending. Uh, let us know uh, what you've been listening to, watching, experiencing. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening to our to our ramblings uh, for another week. Uh, We will be back uh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger.
Okay, just one for, one for the Gen Z kids. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, oh and if you want to share any uh, of your strategies for good mental health, yeah, mm-hmm. that would be most welcome. We'd really love to hear that. Yeah, like just tell us, tell us, just tell us, tell us what you want us to talk about as well. You know, we're, we're kind of, yeah. you know. And give us money. Oh, yeah, and give us money. <laughs> give us money as well, that too. Uh, yeah, if you didn't hear that because it was quite subtle, um, give us money. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, thanks very much for listening. Uh, I've been Ed. I've been Seth. I'm still Seth. I'm going to be <laughs> Seth later too. Yeah, good. I am Eli in perpetuity. Good. Yeah. I might not be Ed. I might change my name. So fuck you all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so thanks very much. Until then. Dig deep and shout loud.